Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the 476th edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Daniel Feuerstein. I'll give you American perspective, our clubs, leagues, players, national team, and other fabulous moments. You get your daily reading from me and other writers over at Once a Metro and the rest of the SB Nation family of soccer websites. Come on in. Chat room is open. Come on in. Uh, discuss amongst yourselves if you like. You have a question for me. I'll try to answer it to the best of my ability. We saw this past weekend in the UEFA Champions League quarterfinals a masterful goal converted by Tyler Adams. He is the first American player in the UEFA Champions League to convert a goal, to convert a game-winning goal, and it was absolutely fantastic. Now, granted, took a deflection, but you know what? It went in, and he got credit. And that's the only thing you can say. And what he has done so far, even though he's been hurt early on in his Red Bull Leipzig tenure, he's proven why he is a part of that club, and he's proven why he has a great future for them and, and for the U.S. men's national team. And hopefully he can get back out there and prove to be an important player for Greg Berhalter and the men's national team. If he can do that, then there is a possibility that World Cup qualifying could be solid going forward. Outside of that, Tyler Adams has officially, as an American player, he has scored a Champions League goal in UEFA in the quarterfinals. He has also scored a Champions League goal in CONCACAF in the quarterfinals. The 2018 run with the New York Red Bulls, defeating Club Tijuana in the second leg at home that made it 3-1 on aggregate, 1-1 in the first half of that matchup. Tyler Adams, my friends, is proving why he is a part of this national team for the future and why he should be a fixture for Greg Berhalter in the midfield. In the midfield, not as a fullback, as a defensive player. As a defensive player, a solid defensive midfielder who can attack and can put the ball in the back of the net as many times as possible. He did that against Chelsea. He's done that against Club Tijuana. Now he's done that against one of the top sides in Spain in Atletico Madrid. This is going to be fantastic to watch, and I cannot wait. Cannot wait to see Tyler Adams do this again 
for the national team when he is completely good and healthy. Now, some news to report as well. MLS and U.S. Soccer have scored a content distribution deal with Bleacher Report. Bleacher Report owned by Turner Sports. Sounds like this is a great deal. Sounds like this is going to be something big and something spectacular. Apparently, Bleacher Bleacher Report will develop premium soccer content and highlights around MLS and the U.S. men's and women's national team matches. The The deal will pay MLS and U.S. soccer a rights fee and bring another major media company into the fold as they look towards a new media rights deal after 2022. This is from Front Office Sports, written by Ian Thomas. Ian Thomas, with Front Office Sports, wrote this article, and congrat and great article as always. Um, here's the thing, folks, that I'm very concerned about. But let me before I even give you my concerns, uh, let me just say this. I have always said, if a new media sports broadcasting network wants to get involved with Major League Soccer, I will give them a fair chance. I want to give them a fair chance in covering MLS, covering the game in this country. Because I've always said, it is too damn easy to cover anything and everything in Europe. Too damn easy. But as we saw from Turner and and Bleacher Report, they failed big time, covering not only the UEFA Champions League, but the UEFA Europa League. Turner Sports failed miserably. Now, all I'm asking from Turner Sports, Bleacher Report, really simple. You're getting a fair shot here from me. I'm going to leave you alone. I'm going to let you do what you got to do to prove to every MLS supporter and every real American soccer fan that you can do this job. And the point is that I've said this many, many times. I already know someone that works at Bleach Report. I know who he is because I've worked with this man in the past in a different part of the sports news business. Now, granted, maybe he has no, uh, no influence on this, no decision on this. I will not divulge his name until I believe him and his company are doing it the right way. And I won't say his name. I'm just going to do him that favor. But the truth is, is that I'm still disappointed in how Bleach Report, Turner Sports has easily screwed up their coverage of the UEFA Champions League and how poor they have been covering the UEFA UEFA, uh, club tournaments for television and streaming rights. It was abysmal, terrible, disgusting. Like I have said many times already, this is their opportunity to prove me wrong. And I want to be proven wrong. I want 
to be proven wrong. I really want to. I really, really want to. Why? So I don't have to worry about who's doing the coverage properly. I don't have to worry about, am I going to see mistakes? Am I going to see, you know, well, we don't really care. We just throw it out there. You know, we'll take a dart and whatever sticks on the dartboard or on the wall, that's going to be enough. No. Absolutely not. This is not what you're supposed to do. And let me just say this. If in the future, once the Fox Sports deal is done, depending on what Fox Sports is going to do, uh, you know, to re-up on soccer coverage, if Turner decides to take over MLS coverage and they do a good job of it, I will give them the praise that they deserve. But once again, here's the thing that I'm very concerned about is, are you going to be lackadaisical? Are you not going to give people a chance or give this league a chance to go out and do it the right way? That's my concern. This league needs coverage. This league needs respect. Regardless of what some of you may think about, you know, not having promotion relegation, we only have the playoffs. The truth is, right now, it needs to be given respect by American news outlets and American sports networks. That's all I want. That's all I'm asking for. I have said many, many times, more needs to be done. This is part of it. This is the more I'm talking about. This is the more I have said that has to happen. This is what needs to happen. If we are not going to get this, and it's only coming from ESPN and Fox Sports, and the question is, will Fox Sports continue on? We'll have to find out. But if we're not going to get more from Turner and Bleach Report, then what's the point of them doing this in the first place? And I will say this till I'm blue in the face. I don't care if I throw my name in the ring, throw my name in a hat, because I know that person who works at Bleach Report, if he's listening, if he's truly listening, bring me over. If you want, if you want this show as part of Bleach Report to cover American soccer and MLS, here I am. You know where to find me, former colleague. You know where to find me. You know where to find me, Mark. You know where to go. You know where I am. You know my Twitter handle. You know where to find me, Mark. I mean, we've worked together for almost 10 full years. You know where to find me. You know, who to, you know where I am. You know where to talk to me at. It's not that difficult. It's not that hard. 
All I can say is that it better happen. Because I'm ready to go, man. I'm ready for the show to go national in more ways than one. But even though I'm pleading a little bit, it's getting a little sidetracked, the truth is you have to call these people out. You have to say what you got to say. Because who do you know, Mark, that has been dedicated in covering American soccer from start to finish? Who has it been, Mark? It's been me. It's been me. Give me a chance. You know you're not going to regret it. Bring me over if you want to. I'm telling you right now, Mark, don't waste the time. Follow me. I'm ready to go. I've always been ready to go. But once again, to Bleach Report and Turner, do the job that I hope you will do. Because we cannot have any more screw-ups. This is it. My rant is over. To Bleach Report, you're getting a fair shot from me. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to uh, go against you. I'm not going to write anything negative. Let's go. Let's get this thing over with. Let's get it done. Good luck, Bleach Report. You will get a fair shot from me. But don't screw it up. Ladies and gentlemen, I got a great show for you tonight. Of course, we'll have on Michael Batista talking about the cancellation of the 2020 U.S. Open Cup edition. Shame that it's happened. But joining me tonight, live down in sunny Miami Beach, South Florida, 954-305. Anything and everything, area code in South Florida, inter-Miami discussion. Blaze Matweedy will be joining the South Florida Club for MLS's return to the natural markets. Peter Brown, Football Miami TV joins me. Peter, good evening. Welcome back. Hey, Daniel. How you doing? Great to be here. Great to have you back on. It's wonderful to have you back on. First things first, how is your family during this whole uh, coronavirus situation? I hope everyone is safe and everyone is healthy. Yeah, everyone's doing good. We're uh, huddled uh, in, you know, in the house. Uh, thought it was about to go back to school, but uh, everything's everything's good. Nice and safe in this crazy Florida because, you know, Florida, they say, is, uh, you know, we're not really following the rules down here with uh, wearing the mask and everything. But here in the in this household, we're doing all right. Good. I'm glad to hear that. And always remember, everybody, please wear your masks. I know it's difficult. I know it's tough. But we got to stay vigilant. We got to stay strong until we can get a cure or a vaccine ready to go. And it can be distributed to every single person in this country. Um, Peter, before we get to the uh, the man that we're going to discuss uh, throughout the first five matches of Inter-Miami, what has been the number one issue or the number of issues that has plagued this club in their inaugural season? Well, yeah, it's a number of issues. I, I think what it really boils down to is we were, you know, they look like 
an expansion team, which is not what we were expecting. I guess, you know, those of us in South Florida, we bought into the hype and our ownership group kind of sold us maybe a bill of goods in some ways. You know, they kind of hyped us up saying how we're going to teach the world how to play football, right? That was, that was the slogan. And, mm-hmm. you know, in reality, we're mm-hmm. just like every other expansion team except for maybe uh, Atlanta and L.A. Those two being the exceptions were just like everybody else. I mean, we've got problems in the defense, but luckily we've got somebody uh, lined up to, uh, with LGP to, to fix that, hopefully. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, but I think even more than anything, it's, there's no creativity in the midfield trap and Yoa uh, combination has not been working. Uh, traps, uh, you know, is not very good in defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and there's no secret there. And, and he's been, he's shown that throughout the first five games. And we just really don't have much as far as the attack. The first two games, uh, Robbie Robinson really did look good, but in the MLS's back tournament, obviously he was not. Uh, participating due to some uh, family reasons, but he's now back with the club and training, so that's good. Hopefully, he can uh, you know blossom mm-hmm. into a, a really good player. But you know they they're missing that number nine, that star player that they promised us uh, is a big part of it. And do you think Blaise Matuidi coming over from Juventus, coming over from Europe, do you feel he is the gentleman that can fix some of these problems? offensively in the midfield for inter Miami. Some, but not all. So I, I, you know, we, you know, when we first Mm -hmm. heard about Matuidi, you know, everybody thought it was going to be a DP and I don't think anybody was overly excited about him as a DP. Great player, but you know, not really what we needed as far as a DP. We need that striker. But the fact that Paul McDonough was able to pull this off as a, TAM level player, I think surprised a lot of people, including us down here. And for, as for a TAM, he's a steal. He's great. He makes all the players around him better. Uh, you know, I think you, I, I imagine they keep Trap in there with him and allows Trap to move a little bit more uh, forward. You know, Matuidi being a box to box player, he's going to do. Uh, he's going to make the defense better, but I'm sure he's going to make Pizarro's life a little bit easier. Who has Pizarro has underwhelmed some people. Uh, as a DP, but maybe it's because he's being asked to do a little bit too much, and Matuidi may be able to free him up a little bit, you know, as he kind of kind of fortifies that midfield a little bit. So I, I, we're excited about Matuidi. I think, again, you know, uh, you know, we were wondering, you know, we heard so many great things about Paul McDonough, what he's done in Atlanta, and but we got to keep in mind he also built Orlando, which wasn't so great up until this past tournament. Um, you know, we were starting to wonder is it. Was Orlando the fluke? Is or I mean, I'm sorry. Was Atlanta the fluke and Orlando more the norm mm-hmm. when it comes to uh, Paul McDonough's pulling the strings? But this was a great one. I think he did a great job with getting Matuidi under uh, Tam. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, I think so too. I mean, no, absolutely. I, I agree with you. I, I think to get him under a Tam contract and, and not, you know, splash all the DP money to save it for someone else, I think uh, that's a stroke of genius. Uh, if you can get someone yeah. like that who has the uh, technical ability, who has the superstar power to bring in, you know, a lot of fans into the seats and, uh, you know, to not, I wouldn't say get him on the cheap, but, you know, you get him at a decent deal. Why not bring him over? And, I mean, it doesn't hurt that he knows David Beckham as well. No, but the one thing is I don't know if he actually brings fans into the stands. I mean, when we're allowed back in, that is. But uh, except for a winning product. (laughs) Down here in South Florida, the sports fans are so fickle. 
I mean, it's no secret. You know, go to a Miami mm-hmm. Dolphins game, and there's more Jets fans than there are Dolphins fans, more Patriots fans or Bronco or, or Bills or what have you. But uh, you know, they're a fickle uh, group down here, and they, they want winners. So if he helps make the team win, it'll definitely help fill the stands. His name alone, I don't think your average sports fan knows who Matuidi is. He was not on anybody's radar. You know, when you hear all the names being bandied about as far as rumored coming to South Florida, his name was never mentioned. Nobody ever expected him to be, you know, an option. And apparently they spoke to him back in December, and he said no back then. This whole COVID thing really, I guess, in some ways from Mm -hmm. what I'm reading, worked in a benefit, you know, because he wanted to play in Euros. Well, those got moved uh, so they're they're not happening right now. And so then when they came to him this, in July, again, this time the timing was right and he was willing to, to come. So I don't know if he's, he's not the marketing. Uh, like I still believe we need that DP that is great on the field, but it's also a great marketing tool, especially in this, like I said, fickle sports market. I think that's important. And I don't think Matt Tweedy is that. But at the end of the day, if he can make the team win, that'll do it as well. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that Inter-Miami needs another defender? Do you feel they need an upgrade in defense? Because, um, you know, not to say, like, they don't have enough defenders. I think they have some decent defenders. But the truth is, I mean, uh, you'd like to see maybe a little more defense on Miami since they – You know, I, I, think, I think now that the – you know, Seagal has been, a, I think, a, a really good defender – He's made a few mistakes here and there, but I think there's a lot of promise with the Seagal. And, and now that we've got LGP coming over from Tijuana um, and formerly of Atlanta, you know, I, we have a lot of hope in him. I mean, mm-hmm. he, what, he was a uh, defender of the year, wasn't he, a couple of years ago, I think? Um, something like that. Uh, but, he, you know, he's a quality MLS defender. And so we're expecting a lot from him. Uh, you know, Ben Sweat has been uh, on the defense. I'm not a fan of his. I've made no secret about that. He can sit as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but, mm. you know, they may, they may move Fagala off to, in that position. And he's, he's, moved, been, he's been on the left. He's been on the right. He's been center, what have it. Reyes has been a really good find out of Columbia and in play, formerly playing uh, for Medellin. And so I think defensively, I think we can be okay with, with the LGP now in there. Uh, I think, and also with Matuidi, he's going to help the defense by, by, you know, shoring up the the midfield. A lot of, a lot of the teams seem to just kind of go through our midfield pretty easily, which puts undue pressure on the defense. Yeah. Well, that's the number one question, isn't it? We'll have to wait and see what's going to happen here because uh, for Miami, if they're going to get out of the uh, doldrums here and, Let's be honest, uh, the basement of the Eastern Conference, they're going to have to put something together. They're going to have to at least uh, get something going to put them into a win as much as they can. Because uh, I know it's not good right now for you. I know it's not good for uh, our good buddy Ed Serrano. It's not good for anyone who's an Inter-Miami fan who's been waiting for something spectacular to come. And so far, 0-5 right now um, when it comes to these uh, regular season matches. Yeah, what, I, what I'm concerned about is less about, say, me and Uncle Ed. You know, we, we've been working so hard for so long to get an MLS team back here in South Florida after the demise of the Miami Fusion. Uh, we've seen so many teams come and go here. We, we worked with so many different people to help bring this, you know, to South Florida. We did whatever we can as fans, right? Uh, what I'm right. more concerned about 
are those those guys those people that kind of jumped on the bandwagon early on they joined on the hype and there's already some people that uh you know have asked for the refund as far as their season tickets they're not happy some of it's covid related you know financial situations for people all around the world you know are are different but some of it is just people being are, are fed up this is not the product i was promised and so i'm concerned about those you know maybe they're not as diehard uh, MLS fans. We've got so many fans down here that would maybe just rather just sit and watch Boca Juniors on TV or, or watch Real Madrid mm-hmm. on TV instead of watching now Inter Miami on TV because we can't even go to the stadium. So it's got to be on TV. You know, so it's, it's those kind of fans that I'm really concerned about. Those of us that are diehard, you know, we're going to, you know, ride it, ride it, you know, ride or die with them. We're just happy to have a team. Of course, we want them to win, but we're just really, really excited that we actually have a team to talk about and a team to cheer about in the MLS. Let me ask you this question here. Do you think it's a little too early for Miami fans to be, or inter-Miami fans to be upset about a first-year team? I mean, look, this is not Seattle. I know this is not Atlanta, how they, you know, went out out of the gate and everything. But, I mean, still, though, isn't it a little too early for Miami fans to – after five matches to complain about this because, you know, like you've said, they should be grateful that they have an MLS team to call their own, or at least a professional soccer team to call their own. How many times, you know, you can say hello and goodbye to the Fusion, Miami, uh, FC, or, um, you know, back in the days, twice the Fort Lauderdale Strikers. I mean, you know, isn't having a, a football club precious enough for them to say, hey, listen, you know, we're happy this is going on, and we're grateful that this is here. Yeah, I mean, our our, our viewers on Football Miami TV, they're like that. They're they're diehard, and, and they're happy to, to have a team. But I'm seeing so many comments, and some of them on our our, our videos, you know, a lot of comments, uh, there's a lot of negativity. I mean, they, you know, the sports fan down here sometimes is just unrealistic. You know, they're, they're, they're a fairly educated sports fan, you know, as far as soccer goes, as far as football. You know, they're, they expect mm-hmm. the best. Some people aren't necessarily MLS fans. They never watched an MLS game before we had an Inter-Miami team. So they're coming, you know, to MLS with their expectations of what they're used to seeing from their club team from whatever South American country or English Premier League team that they watch. So mm-hmm. re- their expectations are quite often unrealistic. Now, I mean, there is, you know, the, the La Familia. That's the, the uh, supporters of Inter-Miami. They're going to fill the end zone whenever they can get back in the stands, regardless. I think they're, they've got a, a fairly good, solid fan base. The season tickets uh, are sold out. Uh, they've got a waiting list for, the, for next year and all that. So, you know, like all of our season tickets obviously got moved to next year, and there's a waiting list uh, for the year after, I believe. And So, I mean, they're, they're doing well as far as that. But when you look at the online, um, you know, commenters here and there, there is quite a bit of – of unrealistic expectations and people kind of getting fed up. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that our ownership came out and Jorge Moss. I mean, I think maybe he just got overexcited and anytime he was interviewed, I mean, he's talking about some of the world-class players that he wants to bring to this team and has failed to do so, so far. So Matuidi is the closest one we've, we've got to that, but I mean, people, you know, Instantly, people, uh, you know, Barcelona is, is, is in trouble. You know, they, they, they have a bad game. And now, now every Barcelona player is rumored to come to Miami. You know, so that's the kind of expectation yeah. so many of these fans have. It's unrealistic, but that's the, the craziness that's down here. 
No, I understand. I mean, look, Barcelona, I mean, you know, everything and anything is a fair game in Spain when it comes to them or Real Madrid or Atletico Madrid. So I can understand why uh, it's a little bit uneasiness and uh, some of the nerves are up. So I can understand that part of it. Uh, other than that, uh, we're just going to have to wait and see what's going to happen once everything gets uh, kicked off back in Miami. So are you ready for uh, Orlando City? You ready to take them on again? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and our, our show on Sunday night, we were just talking to Bruce Silverman, who's the uh, play-by-play um, radio voice for Orlando City, and uh, going into some detail about that. I, uh, you know, I, you know, Orlando did well in this tournament, but uh, I, you know, I think every game that we've played, Inter Miami's played, we're, they've been in the game. I mean, they're only losing games by one goal, and you know, they shore up that defense. Uh, they they get a little more uh, creative. You know, like think about that second game in 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 the um, before the tournament, before the whole shutdown against DC United. We looked great. We looked like the better team. So they definitely they can win. They just got to get that first win. And uh, Orlando's beatable. And they're not. I think you know they 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 played a good tournament. They there's there's some hometown pride there. And you know they do definitely have a great coach. Oscar Pereja turned them around. Um, you know, a lot of the same players that they had last year. So that's a uh, hats off to, to a quality coach that knows the league, but they're beatable. Yeah. We, we could definitely, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think, um, you know, I would say maybe in, in Miami one, nothing or something like that, or, or it, it could go either way. They win one, nothing or lose one, nothing. I don't think we're going to get blown out either way. It's going to be a competitive game. I think the team is ready. I was watching some of the trainings uh, and, you know, a little bit of video clips that I've seen and they looked pretty intense playing in this hundred degree heat down here in a thousand percent humidity. So the guys are, are look like they're definitely in shape and mm-hmm. they're ready for, you know, the, uh, the environment that, that being said, Orlando play practices in the same environment up in Orlando where it tends to get even hotter up there. Uh, they don't have any kind of ocean breeze or anything oh, yeah. like that. So, you know, it's nope. pretty stifling up nope, there. That's as well. true. That's very, very true. Yes, it is. Peter, thank you very much for your time. I'll talk to you next time. Good luck with Blaze Matweedy, and I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks a lot. Thank you. That's, once again, Peter Brown, Football Miami TV. Blaze Matweedy, now part of Inter Miami. Now, of course, joining me is a colleague of mine who covers the New York Rebels for Rebels Nation, but he also covers the U.S. Open Cup for the Cup.us with Josh Hakala. Um, unfortunately, U.S. Soccer decided to cancel the 2020 edition because of the coronavirus, Mr. Michael Batista joins me to talk about this. Michael, welcome back. Hope you're well. Um, you know, I, I, look, as much as I love the Open Cup and as much as I wish that they would have an Open Cup match right now, unfortunately, I do understand why they had to cancel it because, A, it's because of the virus, but, B, there's not enough dates on the U.S. soccer calendar to get a tournament going with or without the amateurs in the lower levels. I unfortunately agree to a certain extent. I don't think that what we would have gotten, if anything, would have been a U.S. Open Cup that the kind me and you like, the kind that Jeff Reuters like, the kind that like, Mm-hmm. soccer fans, like the ones where you get the Cinderella stories, we wouldn't have gotten that this year to begin with. I do think that there's some things that could have been done, but I can't blame anybody for thinking that it's just better to scrap the whole thing and, mm-hmm. you know, 
control uh, control C, control V to next year. I mean, you know, we've had these discussions before, like through Twitter, and of course we've talked off air. You know, what's going to happen next year? You know, there's no as you've written already on the Cup.us. Um, there's going to be no qualifying rounds uh, for the 2021 edition, which would mean, thankfully, whoever earned a spot for 2020 should keep their spots for 2021. Those, of course, from USL League Two, the National Premier Soccer League, NPSL, uh, the, am- the semi-pro clubs that have qualified through their state uh, tournament uh, tournaments for the Open Cup. I-, I think, to me, that's the fair way to do it, just to let those teams would qualified officially for this tournament for this year should get those spots automatically for next year. You're totally right. And that is the best way to do it. However, it does not put me at ease in the slightest because there's still a lot of questions and me and you both know that us soccer is not good at answering questions. And the problem is, is that everyone who qualified, that's not a professional qualified in 2019. So with they're going to qualify for 2021 now, there are many things I want answered. First of all, how is cup ties going to be a thing? Players who played on an amateur team during qualification who might now be on a professional team. My, the, main, the biggest one to me is Matt Fondy, who was with Olympic Club during their qualifying uh, on the West Coast, who qualified for their first ever mm-hmm. U.S. Open Cup in their 100-year history. He's now with the Oakland Roots in NISA. Is it fair to him for them to say, oh, well, he played three games in 2019, so in 2021 he can't play? Or look at how many teams are in the New York area that are joining NISA who are definitely going to use lower league talent. The Cosmopolitan League had three teams take part in qualifying. The Garden State Soccer League had three teams take part in qualifying. You're going to tell me that looking at that, if some of those players get – picked up, they're going to say, oh, well, you played a game for Jackson Lions in the Open Cup qualifying. Uh, you're, you can no longer play for your pro team. There's just, I'm not sure how things are going to go. And then there's also the fact of, like, switching leagues. You know, the MPSL is not looking as stable as it once did. Are you going to seriously tell me that if enough teams leave that Kingston Stockade or – uh, Central Florida Panthers are going to get the NPSL spot because it just went that far down the food chain. I I would like to know how I, I, it's going to be very interesting because when you take things that happened in late 2019 and summer 2019 and transfer that over to 2021, not everything is going to fit perfectly. I think the simplest answer, and if you can agree or disagree with me, it's fine. I, I think for 2021, you know, I would like to think they should waive. There should be a waiver. I really think for the 2021 edition of the Open Cup, for those players who were a part of clubs that qualified for those spots on those respective teams and were able to play uh, for those clubs back in 2020, not able, you know, that are now with a different side in 2021, I just think that those said players should be allowed to have a waiver. I, I really think they should. I think what U.S. soccer needs to do is contact the clubs, have every club, whether it doesn't even matter if it's an MLS club, it could be a USL championship league or USL league one or USL league two. You know, if you have a player that has moved on from that said club during qualifying and you never played a single lick of the tournament proper, 
I think, in my opinion, and you could agree or disagree, I think MLS, excuse me, U.S. soccer should allow a waiver for 2021 because, you know, nothing got played for a proper tournament in 2020. I, I definitely agree. I'm just worried. I, I'm, I am the type of person who just, what everyone's saying, this is great. I'm looking at all the little loose ends going, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, and I hope that they do that because that would be the best thing to do because there's a lot of quality teams in the lower leagues that qualified. Uh, Louisiana Crew, who I know you've talked to uh, a couple times on this show, uh, look at what they've done mm-hmm. in place of the Open Cup. They've gone into the Nisa Independent Cup, and their entire league as a whole has, now, has a partnership with Nisa. And I would hate for them to you know, try and branch out, say, hey, we brought in this, new, this player, he's pretty good, uh, and they go, oh, wait, he, two years ago, he, did some, he played a game for a team that got bombed in the first qualifying round, uh, so he can't do anything. Is that a limited scope of, like, could it actually happen? Depends on the area. I think it could happen in New York City with how many teams took part in qualifying in that area. But looking at that, and I hope they do something like that. And that's the hope here, too. I don't think they should. Once again, I think right now there should be at least a waiver uh, allowed from the Open Cup committee to say, you know what, we understand what happened. We, we're not going to fight everyone on this. We're going to make this fair for 2021. But once we get 2021 underway, qualification for 2022, that's when you have to say, okay, everything is back on the table. Everything is back saying if you're going to be playing for this team in qualification, but you move on to another team that has qualified while the team you're on were eliminated, then you will not be allowed because you're cup tied. I mean, for 2022, yes. 2021, leave it alone. Let them go. This is the mulligan year. We all get one. That's right. I don't mind the mulligan. I hope you don't. I hope no one else minds it either. Because, I mean, let's be honest here. It's 106 years of consecutive tournaments that have now ended because of the coronavirus. Have you ever seen – and I've asked this question to many people. I've had a show about it. You know, we have seen the coronavirus halt MLS at the beginning of the season, only two matches in. Uh, the Premier League was halted before Liverpool could actually go out there to finish a proper season to win the, their first ever Premier League trophy. Um, you know, you know, World Cup qualification for Qatar has been put on hold, and hopefully, we'll have these matches get underway this coming October in Concacaf in Africa. Uh, hopefully, Asia can continue on and uh, restart qualification tournament in the first round because, or the second round because it's still. Uh, not completed. Um, you know, what does that mean to you when you have to sadly inform people we are no longer the second longest cup competition running in the world? You know, I thought about this and I immediately thought back to March. And I forget if you were at the game with me, but it was March 11th uh, at Red Bull Arena. And it was the New York City FC game, the first leg of the quarterfinals. And that was the night the thing started to break down entirely. I was there for, uh, for, New, York, for New York Sports Nation because we have our NYC FC section. And I remember being in the press room after the game, 
shaking hands with the New York with the New York City coach, thinking maybe this is a bad idea, uh, and just how we all thought, oh, this is going to be a week, this is going to be a month, we'll be fine. And now we're in August, and I remember early in the pandemic, I wrote a story about how we can salvage the U.S. Open Cup by doing a champions uh, a champions a cup champions cup which was i proposed this thing for the cup.us which was like every champion from the u.s soccer pyramid uh so the the three teams from mls two from usl championship one from each of the division three leagues and then one from usl league two one mpsl and the national amateur cup which was newtown i put this up and i remember every i remember a lot of the reaction i got was this is stupid why are we doing this this isn't the open cup and now the Canadian championship is pretty much doing something like that, where it's just the best MLS team playing in the regular season versus the Canadian premier league champion. And it's just a very big shift in how we're perceiving the year. So if you told me back in March in April, that the cup is going to be canceled, I would be heartbroken and, and disgusted and be like, Oh, us soccer just doesn't care. But now uh, in August, I'm still sad, but I understand. And I think that's what a majority of the people who we've talked to, a majority of the teams we've talked to, majority of our readers, they all feel the same. Um, there are people like me who still say, you know, you could just do a small thing with uh, an MLS team and a USL championship team and stuff. Yeah, sure. But no one's going to cry that this is the choice they made because it's based in logic and you can't fault someone for going with this. And uh, what's wrong with logic? Exactly. There's nothing wrong with logic. You can't fault someone for saying that this is for the best interest. Uh, Why are we going to force this through to keep a abstract number when we want to, when our leagues want to finish their season, because that's where, the importance is to them uh, for most of them. Uh, and we can't get the amateur players. Canadian championship realized that right away. We can't do the amateurs. So U.S. soccer probably says we can't do the amateurs. And you're right. Dates are running out. The most we could do is probably a small thing in winter where it's maybe the champions from the four levels competing in some sort of bracketed tournament. But I bet you that would be a hassle on its own. So, you know, Yeah, I mean, I understand completely uh, where you're coming from. Um, I know Josh Hakala runs the Cup.us. He's been basically an Open Cup uh, curator for everything and anything that's been going on. You know, what have you spoken with him about? And, I mean, how how sad is he that we're not going to have an Open Cup tournament in 2020? Well, from what I've Josh is disappointed. Uh, Josh is also he, – he's a uh, – a, husband and a father so it's not like he has time to be sad at times you know he's still got to take care of his family and he's been doing as much as he can for the cup.us but at the same time uh we've we've all been doing little parts here and there uh i know for a fact that he's sad from a historical perspective because he's he talks to people just like i do uh he has a broader scope of people he talks to but you know i'm mostly just the Northeast guy, uh, you, you feel it when you're talking to the people around the country, from the teams around the country, 
from the fans. And, you know, it rubs off on you. And he's done this for, what, how long ago was 2003? Uh, 17 years, 18 years. <laughs> 17 years, uh, oh, I know. And it's just, he, it's a part of, it's a thing that, like clockwork, it's supposed to happen, and it's not happened this year. But, once again, he's got a family to worry about, and he also understands, you know, we're in a pandemic. No one, I, I shouldn't say this has never happened, because we've, the U.S. has gone through pandemics, but we, this is different, and we, it's, you know, it's just what it is. Um, out of curiosity, if you want me asking you, how is your uh, parents doing? Um, you know, are they safe from the COVID uh, situation? Family members, uh, are they safe through the COVID situation? Oh yes, my family has been uh, safe since my family's been keeping safe for a while uh we we're, we were kind of uh, the same sort of thing early on it just when's it's going to end when's going to end you know but over time we start to realize yeah let's just wear the mask i have a um a two-year-old nephew now and you know my father is now a grandfather so i think once he started to realize how uh, serious the pandemic was he started to do more things so he could be around for his grandson and you know I'm trying to do more as an uncle and trying to stay safe for myself stay safe for the people around me and I think that's what everyone in my family is sort of doing right now and we're all sticking to it and it's been working for what five months now good good I'm very happy to hear that all right Michael uh, I will talk to you next time uh, hopefully I'll see you at Red Bull Arena on Thursday and uh Please be careful. Please be safe. Continue to wear your masks. Be strong and vigilant, and I'll talk to you soon, my friend. Thank you very much for calling in. Uh, no problem. You have a good one. Thank you. You too. Michael Batista, Red Bull Nation, New York Sports Nation, of course, as well as uh, the Cup.us, talking about, of course, the U.S. Open Cup. Great stuff there. Uh, Josh Hakala. Uh, runs the site, a U.S. Open Cup historian. Uh, head on over to his website, and um, like I said, it's worth a lot of reading. Follow him on Twitter at U.S. Open Cup. And as we are about to finish up here on the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show, there's one thing I'd like to talk about, and that is, of course, the situation that happened over in. Uh, Frisco, Texas, uh, between Nashville FC and, of course, FC Dallas. Before the match began, before the match began, um, what we saw and heard, if you were watching it on uh, ESPN Plus on the stream and at the same time, um, if you were locally watching it in Nashville or in Dallas, of course, what you saw was both sides taking a knee and showing respect, of course, for the movement and the reasons of why they did this. Um, let me just say this. To hear the fans booing at in the Toyota Park in Frisco, uh, Texas, or Toyota Stadium, I think it is, because Toyota Park is, uh, well, it's no longer in Chicago, but, um, you know, I've said this many, many times, I don't like to mix sports and politics. I try my best 
not to mix both things together because you're not going to know what's going to happen. Um, I think that the players had every right to do that. At the same time, were there people who were disrespectful about it? Yes. Should that have happened? No. Yet, I, I still feel that having sports getting involved in political matters is still a no-no. Um, and this was what I was fearing, to be honest with everybody. We can't all have snap judgments about these sort of things. We can't. We must find a way to have a common ground so that we can all come together. See, this is where I hate to say this. I really hate to say this. This is what I fear. This is the situation that I feared would happen during this Black Lives Matter situation. That people were going to go against it. And the truth is, is that we all have to find a way to come together. All of us have to find a way to come together, to do this in a different way if possible. Let me just give you my opinion here. What happened to George Floyd was absolutely atrocious. What happened to George Floyd should never have happened in the first place. The man was arrested. The man was sitting down on the ground on the sidewalk in Minneapolis. He was leaned against a building. He was handcuffed. He was placed under arrest. They picked him up. The officers, they walked him to a squad car across the street. From the end of that video to the beginning of the video that we all know, we all saw of what that police officer, that former police officer, to George Floyd. We don't know what happened in, in between. But what I know from what I saw, we were all together. We were all under the same page. All of us were under the same page. We were all flabbergasted. We were all upset. We were all disgusted in what Mr. Chauvin did to George Floyd. We were absolutely mortified. I was upset. I was angry. Regardless of skin color. And yes, I know black lives matter, and they do. The truth is, so to a black man, to a white man, to an Asian man, to a Spanish man or woman, are. This is, and sadly, must be the work of a person who is not – how can I say this? I don't think he had racist intentions, but what he did have was an arrogance, an arrogance to being a police officer, feeling like he can do whatever he wants, believe he doesn't just do this to black people. I think he does this to every person of any color of their skin. 
that is what makes me mad. That's what makes me angry. That's what really burns me up. So all I can say is, is that what we saw was an absolute disgrace because there are good police officers out there. And the sad thing is that it's these police departments that continue to use these types of police officers who don't care about your life, who don't care about you think or what you say. I'm a police officer, and I can do whatever I want because I am on the right side of the law, not the law of what I have to do to protect my, the citizens of my town, of my city, of my uh, little blip on the radar screen. I am a cop, and I can do whatever I want. It's those officers that has to be punished. They abuse the laws that are on the books. It could be a small town. It could be a suburb town. It could be, uh, you know, off the coast. All I'm saying is, is that there's too much division in our country. And politics, my friends, politics has ruined it. We are overly political. We are overly political with anything and everything, and we are not more united. It is no longer about being an American citizen. It is about are you a Democrat or are you a Republican? Are you a liberal or are you a conservative? Because what we are seeing right now in our country, people, normal people are paying for it with their own lives. And sadly, children are dying because of this. And once again, it is black children that are being killed by black gangs. We have white gangs killing white children. The children are dying for no reason. Businesses are being burned down and looted for no reason. This is what makes me sad. This is what makes me feel like crap. This is what happens when you have society falling apart. I don't like talking politics on my soccer show. This is what happens when you do. I'm trying to give at least common sense here, common sense discussion. You can listen to the sound of my voice, the voice of reason, to everyone and anyone. Please understand where I'm coming from. We must unite as one, not as Republicans only, not as Democrats only. We must unite Americans once again. That's the only way we're going to defeat this disease. That's the only way we're going to have to stop the anarchists from destroying our cities, and destroying our towns, ripping up historical statues, ending our government, 
It's okay to disagree. It's okay to disagree. That's what America is about. You have the right to an opinion. And that's all it is. An opinion. We need an opinion. This is not my way or the highway. Does everyone understand that? This is not my way or the highway. Because if we're going to go my way or the highway, you know what's going to happen? Anarchy will continue to run and destroy our country. We cannot allow that to happen. That's why I'm here to tell you this. I don't want to talk about politics. I hate politics. Politics, I hate it with a passion. But what are we going to do? We are not able to control our cities and our society. There's no rule of law. And all I can say is, to everyone, is I had to switch headphones, but all I'm saying to everyone is this. Do you like what you're seeing? Do you like what's been going on in your neighborhoods? Are you happy with what has been going on? Are you happy with the situation to see what's going on in Portland? In Chicago, in parts of New York City, I'm not happy about what's going on in, you know, in our country. I'm not happy with everything. I'm not happy with Mr. Chauvin. I'm not happy with these anarchists. I'm not happy with how this entire country has started to fall apart. Escape from New York. And escape from Los Angeles. Go ahead and look them up. Because this is what it feels like. This feels like an uh, apocalyptic world. Everything is going to hell. You have every right to your beliefs. You have every right to your opinions. But just because someone has a different opinion than you do does not make bad person. People have the right to feel and think what they can do and what they believe in and how they say it. Is it right? Sometimes it is. Is it wrong? Sometimes it is. But simple thought does not mean you are a bad person. We have fallen apart, and we've got to find a way to get ourselves back into the swing of things. And until the next time, this, will, this is all I'm going to say, and then hopefully this will be the last time I'll say it, because I still think this should be over with. And we should get back to being normal. I want to thank Peter Brown of Football Miami TV, Michael Batista TheCup.us. This is Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you for listening tonight. And as always, please enjoy your football. Have a good night, everyone. Take care so long, and bye-bye for now.